Wow. Is, uh, is Tom in the service? I don't, he, he was here in the first service. But okay, he's not here right now. He will be a little later. But uh, Tom is one of the elders of our church, and I'll tell you, um, he, is a, he really is a walking miracle, not just because he made it through cancer, but then because of the, the tainted blood that he got through a transfusion, uh, he got hepatitis C. And uh, again, God has just helped him and strengthened him, and he's, he's still serving here. I said in the first service that, you know, Carol, his wife, thinks that God spared Tom for her sake, but I always say that God spared Tom for my sake because uh, he's one, one of, well, he's our oldest, longest-serving elder in our church and has been such a blessing to us. We're just so thankful to God for the miracle that God did in his life. Now, I, I want you to know today, case you don't know it yet, I believe in miracles. I believe that God is still in the business of coming into our lives, into our situation, and bringing us hope, bringing us courage, and doing what nobody can explain except by that definition of what a miracle is. A miracle, to remind you, is a surprising and welcome event that is not explicable by nature or by scientific laws and is therefore considered to be a work of a divine agency. Now, you may or may not know this, but there are some theologians who would suggest that miracles have ceased, that there are no miracles anymore, that miracles dried up uh, within 100 years of Christ's resurrection. They believe that all miracles, signs, and wonders seized permanently, that it was just something for the apostolic age. We call these people cessationists. They believe that the reason that God introduced miracles during the age of the apostles is because God wanted to attract the attention of the pagan world. And then once, once Christianity was established, they suggest that miracles then are no longer necessary, no longer uh, are they needed to... to uh, to attract the pagan world. That is, people who don't know Christ. But, you know, it doesn't make sense logically because if you look at the Scripture, you'll discover that before the apostolic age, there were all kinds of miracles recorded in the Old Testament. So if God was doing miracles in the Old Testament before the apostolic age, then it goes without saying he's going to do miracles after the apostolic age. Uh, so it's a ridiculous argument to say that the miracles have dried up. And I'm going to tell you, some denominations, some, some theologians, they assert that, that uh, this is, is dogma, it's absolutely true, and, and therefore anything that, that anybody calls a miracle is in fact not a miracle, it's either a coincidence or it is simply someone's imagination, but it's not a miracle. Now, if you go to the scripture, folks, you're going to discover a, a very different report. You're going to discover that the Bible tells us plainly, clearly, that scriptures are still for today. And look at the Apostle Paul um, when he's speaking to the Galatians. Look at this verse here, Galatians 3, verse 5. And Paul says to the believers in Galatia, I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It's because you believe the message you heard about Christ. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the church in Galatia about miracles and 
speaking about them as though they were just a natural part of the Christian experience. In fact, the Apostle Paul goes on to back up this, this, uh, this teaching. Uh, we find it in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where there's a long list of uh, instructions about who the Holy Spirit is and, and the work of the Holy Spirit. We find it in Romans chapter 12, again, the, the gifts and the miracles of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, the gifts and the miracles of the Holy Spirit. And then even the Apostle Peter steps in in 1 Peter chapter 4, again, speaking about the miracles and the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. So I want everybody to know this today. Miracles are for today. And God is still in the business of doing miracles. In fact, folks, at the end of this service, we're going to give you an opportunity to come forward for prayer. Because here's what I know. I know that there are many of us here today who have got something that we need God's help for. And I don't, I don't know what it is exactly in your life, but you know. You know that you need God's help. And it may be a, a physical miracle. It may need, maybe, maybe it's a, a relational miracle, perhaps, you know, for, for work. But you need God to intervene. That's the bottom line. You need God to step in and do something special for you. So this morning as I speak, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will be speaking to your heart and showing you that he is able to help you with whatever it is that you're going through. Whatever struggle is in your heart or in your life right now, I want you to know that God is able to help you. And we're gonna give you an opportunity to pray this morning. Let's just talk about miracles for a moment. Talk about miracles in the early church. And, and try to answer that question or, or that, refute that, that suggestion, that idea, the dogma that miracles have ceased. Because here's what I've discovered as I read my New Testament and as I read church history, there's nothing that's further from the truth. For instance, when we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul is telling the Corinthian Christians about the person and the work of the Holy Spirit. And you'll notice that there is no footnote in your Bible that says this, this work of the Holy Spirit will only last for a little while. It'll only last during the apostolic age. But after that, if you live past the apostolic age, well, you know, too bad for you. It doesn't say that. We're speaking, folks, about what the Spirit of God is doing now. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit, this is verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12, there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Now, I don't know if you realize that, folks, but if you are a follower of Jesus Christ today, if you are a Christian, then the Bible says here that God has actually given you a spiritual gift. That's right. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but folks, you and I are to be channels of the Holy Spirit when you became a Christian, you received the Holy Spirit, but guess what? It goes beyond that. God wants to use you. He wants you to be a channel of his Spirit so that you can be a blessing to others. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of people have forgotten that. But I'm reminding you today that God wants to use you for his purposes. And then in verse 8, Paul says, To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give advice. 
To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. Verse 9, the same Spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the one Spirit gives a gift of healing. Cessationists, the Bible says that God has given some the gift of healing. Verse 10, he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages. We call that speaking in tongues. While another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts He alone decides which gift each person should have. Now, you need to understand today that God is in the business of working in us and through us. I'm going to tell you this. If your Christianity has become dull and boring, you've lost your fire, it's not as exciting as it once was when you became a Christian, I'll tell you what the problem is, is that you have have stopped allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you and through you. Because I know this today, that God wants to do miracles in all of us, and he wants to do miracles through all of us. That is biblical. We want to see, we want to know the person and the work of the Spirit in our lives. Now, the question is this. Are you open to this? Is this something that you are open to? Would you be willing to say, God, here am I, use me. God, I want to be a channel of your blessing. I want your spirit to work in me and through me. Let me give you an example of this. During our first service, we called people up to pray. And the, it just, the whole front here was full of people. And I started praying at that end. And all of a sudden, I felt prompted in my spirit to go to this end. I had come, come, come up to Marilyn Davids, and some of you know who she is. And I, but I didn't pray for her. I, I came over there instead, and I started working my way this way. And then I prayed for someone by the name of Alan uh, Turner. I don't know if you know Alan. That's actually Tom's son. And I, started to, I, I asked him, what do you want me to pray about? And he goes, I want to pray for Carol, Carol Davidson, which is Marilyn's daughter. And he said, I'm standing here in her place, praying that God would do a miracle in her life, praying that God would just bring her back and, and touch her. Well, I'm, I'm extremely moved by this. I pray for a few more people, then I go back to Marilyn. And then Marilyn says, I, would, I want prayer for, for Carol. I said, Marilyn, you'll never believe what's just happened. Uh, Alan Turner was just standing up here on behalf of your daughter. And she, Marilyn started to cry. And, and I said, Marilyn, do you realize that God wanted you to know today that he's not forgotten about you? Just, and there we are, the three of us. Uh, Don was there and the elders around there. Recognizing that we have here what you might call a minor miracle that God orchestrated even the prayer this morning so that when it came time for me to pray for Marilyn Davidson, I could tell her that someone had already stood in proxy for her, for her daughter. Because Marilyn and Dawn, as some of you may know, have had a full plate and have, have been so, such a blessing, such a blessing to this church, but particularly to the girls in their lives that they have cared for all these years. And they were assured this morning that God had not forgotten about them. Now, I want to tell you something this morning, folks. This is what we call the choreography of the Spirit, which we talked about last week. God is doing a work in our midst, a work in your life, that if you just allow him to, he will bless you. He will speak to you. He will answer your prayer. So let's get back to this question. Is the Holy Spirit still at work? Does God still do miracles today? 
Well, again, many writers have claimed that once we hit 100 AD, no more miracles. In fact, they'll even say that there's nothing to prove it. Well, I would humbly like to, to disagree with that. Because, and I, I, put this, I want to put this to rest once and for all, because if you're here today and you're one of those people who says, you know, I don't believe in miracles are for today, I'm going to put this to rest right here and right now. There is absolutely nothing in Scripture and nothing historically that supports the notion that miracles have ceased. They're still on. Back in 1890, there was a 10-volume set of books based on the writings of the church fathers in what we call the pre-Nicene period, up until 325 AD. And, and what we find in those writings from, from, uh, from 1 AD right up to 325 AD is report after report after report of ways that God has done miracles, ways in which the Holy Spirit has moved. And I want to share with you some of them because they're very encouraging. In fact, it sounds very contemporary. It sounds like it just happened yesterday. But remember, folks, this stuff happened almost 2,000 years ago, and it's happened through the ages. So I'm here to tell you today that God's still in the business of doing miracles. Miracles have not ceased. They're still on. The Bishop of, um, of Corinth, um, actually Bishop Clement, in his letter to the Corinthians, he says this. In about AD 100, he says, uh, uh, referring to the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, he says, quote, an abundant outpouring also of the Holy Spirit fell upon all. This is one of the things he's included in his letter to the Corinthians. He's pointing out that the Spirit of God is still at work. Even after Jesus has died on the cross, risen from the dead, and has, has ascended to the Father, the Spirit of God is still at work. In the book, The Shepherd of Hermas, AD 110, and by the way, if you haven't read church history, I, I really encourage you to delve into this because it's fascinating, it's so exciting. The Shepherd of Hermes, AD 110. It contains, contains a reference to speaking in tongues and, and of prophecies. That's 110 AD. And quote, this is what he says, quote, when, the, when then the men who hath the divine spirit cometh into an assembly of righteous men who have faith in a divine spirit and intercession is made to God by the gathering of these men, then the angel of the prophetic spirit who is attached to them filleth the man, and the man being filled with the Holy Spirit speaketh to the multitude according as the Lord willeth. Now, in case you didn't understand what that meant, uh, I guess in the 1890s they felt they needed to still speak in King James English. I don't know. But here's basically what he's saying. He's saying the Spirit of God is still at work. There's still prophecies. There's still the Spirit of God uh, filling people with his Spirit, and they're still speaking in tongues. That's what he's saying in AD 110. And then we get to AD 165, and we find uh, Justin the Martyr writing in his dialogue with Trypho, it clearly refer, referring to many spiritual, spiritual gifts and supernatural acts of the Holy Spirit. Here's what he writes in the second century. He says, quote, Daily, some of you are becoming disciples in the name of Christ and quitting the path of error, that is, turning away from your sin, who are also receiving gifts, each as he is worthy, illumined through the name of this Christ. For one receives the spirit of understanding, another the counsel, another of strength, another of healing, another of foreknowledge, and another of teaching, and another of the fear of God. That's 165 AD. Now we're 65 years past the year that the cessationists say that the spirit stopped moving. 
Spirit of God still working. We get to Tertullian, a major theologian and Christian writer, ministering in Carthage in AD 215, and he describes supernatural visions and prophetic gifts of the Holy Spirit as operating normally in the third century church. So this is a natural and a normal thing. Christians at that time were used to prophecies. They're used to the speaking in tongues. They're used to healings. They're used to the prophetic. They're used, very used to the movings and the workings of God. Can I ask you a question? What's happened to us here in North America? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because they say right now that the fastest growing denomination or movement in the world today is the Pentecostal movement. But you've got to ask the question, if that's the case, what's going on here in North America? Because we don't seem to be seeing a lot of it. Here's what I believe, folks. I believe this with all my heart. I believe that we are so wealthy here. We have so much. We are so blessed. We're so smart. We're so educated. We have hospitals. We have supermarkets. We have everything that we could need. The fact of the matter is, is that we simply don't need God. That's where we've come to. We've come to that place where, you know, we, we, we could go for weeks on end without talking to God, without bringing our needs to God, because we're taking care of ourselves, thank you very much. But folks, here's what you need to understand, is that while your physical needs may be met, there's a far greater need, and it's a spiritual need, a spiritual need that only God can meet. And so what I'm doing today is I'm saying, let's stop, let's stop dead in our tracks and think for a moment When's the last time we cried out to God and allowed the Spirit of God to work in us? My prayer is that today, when I call you forward to prayer, you will come and you'll say, God, I surrender all. God, I need a touch from you. I need a touch in my marriage. I need a touch in my own spirit. My prayer is that you'll come before God and say, God, I've drifted away from you. I'm not where I need to be spiritually. God, I'm so caught up in my own sin. I'm here... At church, I'm just a shell of a man. I'm a shell of a woman, I, 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 but I'm dead inside. I pray that today will be the day that you allow the Spirit of God to work in you and do a miracle, a miracle of salvation perhaps, a miracle of renewal, perhaps a miracle in your body, a miracle in your marriage, a miracle in your family. But I know this today, God is here and he wants to touch you. He wants to do something special for you. Augustine in 354 to 430, he reported on a person being healed of blindness. Here's what he says. He says, the miracle which was wrought at Milan when I was there and by which a blind man was restored to sight could come to the knowledge of many. For not only is the city a large one, but also the emperor was there at the time and the occurrence was witnessed by an immense multitude of people. And we go on through history, and we find uh, Bernard of Clairvaux in 1190 to 1153 A.D. talking about the miracles of God, the move of the Holy Spirit. And then we get to Martin Luther, the Lutheran who experiences and who, and who reports the work of the Holy Spirit in their midst. And we, we go to Wales, that small little country just... just to the west of England, and we see in the 18th century, the 19th century, the 20th century, the move of the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. People being healed, people being touched by God. Great revival breaking out because of the work of the Holy Spirit. 
And we get to Azusa Street in San Francisco at the, at the beginning of the last century. Again, the Spirit of God is poured out, and we see people healed and people saved and lives transformed. Folks, this idea, this notion that the Spirit of God does not move anymore is utter nonsense. And from this day forward, let the Spirit of God impress upon your heart that God is still in the business of doing miracles. He wants to touch you. He wants to help you. He wants to save you. He wants to bring you through whatever it is that's overwhelming you right now because he loves you. He loves you. That is the person of the Holy Spirit. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Whatever temptation has overwhelmed you, whatever sin has overwhelmed you, know this today, God is greater. God is greater. What did Jesus say? Because I can tell you this right now, miracles are, are supposed to be an important part of, the, of every believer's life. Look what Jesus says here to his disciples, John 14, verse 12, and it says this. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the work that I do, and greater works than these will, be, will he do because I'm going to the Father. What does Jesus mean by this? Well, again, this coming Friday, Good Friday, the day we celebrate when Jesus died for us on the cross to take away our sin, and we celebrate Easter, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, conquered death, so that all who put their faith in Christ will live forever with Christ. Hallelujah. But it gets even better. Jesus poured out his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And Jesus says this, when I go back to the Father, I'll be sending you the Holy Spirit who will empower you and work through you. Jeff and Angela, you're going to the Philippines this summer, but you're not going in your own. You're going in the power of the Holy Spirit. And my Bible tells me that you will do even greater works because Jesus Christ is sending his Spirit to work in you and through you. Is the Spirit of God working in you and through you, making a difference in your marriage, in your family, in your workplace? He should be, because that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. It means you're a channel of the Spirit of God. Now I'm going to just confess something to you right now. I, I, was, I was educated in a, in a Pentecostal Bible college, believe in the person and the work of the Holy Spirit, but I'm going to say this to you. If I had not experienced as a young boy that supernatural, of God, supernatural work of God in my life where I spoke in tongues and experienced that, that presence, that power of the Holy Spirit in my life, I would be tempted to be a cessationist. I'd be tempted to say miracles are not for today. And I'll tell you why. Because over the years, I have seen so much abuse. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I've seen traveling evangelists and TV evangelists that have abused the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. I've seen evangelists make big dollars, big money off, off of their healing crusades. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you, if you watch television, you'll see some of those TV evangelists who will say, send in your money and I will send you a prayer cloth. I mean, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Generally green in color. Send in your money, and I'm going to send you miracle healing water. Just pour the water on your head, and God's going to give you whatever miracle it is that you want. And here's the thing. The more money you send in, the more blessing is going to be yours. And so people so hungry for a touch from God 
are swindled by these TV evangelists, and I'm, I'm nauseated by it. I'm repulsed by it. And part of me wants to steer everybody away, right away from it. But here's what you need to understand today. Satan will always do whatever he can to cause us to turn from God and the power of God. There's nothing to be afraid of, my friends. Listen to me. God wants to touch you, but you don't have to pay for it. You don't have to send in money to any TV evangelist. You don't have to send money to Alan Duncalf so that Alan Duncalf can go buy a BMW. You hear what I'm saying this morning? I'd like one. <laughs> no, I, I, no I, I don't. I wouldn't even. You know what Jesse said to me? Dad, you could never drive a car like that. You're a pastor. <laughs> All right, Jesse. <laughs> Did you hear about the TV evangelist, Creflo Dollar, asking his followers to give him $60 million, $60 million so he can buy a jet? So what? So that he can preach about Jesus who said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head? Give me a break. Please, listen, don't be gullible, folks. Don't swallow this nonsense. At our last doctrines class, here's what I said to you. You need to know the doctrines. You need to know the word of God. Because that's what keeps you safe. That's what gives you the ability to discern between what is right and what is wrong. And I said this. I said, you know, the Holy Spirit wants to be poured out upon us. But listen to me. Listen. Before the Holy Spirit was poured out upon those who were waiting in the upper room, what happened first? They heard Jesus teaching them for three years. Now let the Spirit of God speak to your heart. I shared this again at the doctrines class on Wednesday. And by the way, you're all invited to come. I shared this at the doctrines class. I said, listen, when you, when you want the Holy Spirit to work in your life, first of all, what you need to do is you need to create forms. You need to create an infrastructure so that when the Holy Spirit is poured out, you've got something to contain it. I remember when we built a garage at our house on 31, 31 Coburg Avenue. My brother will, remind, will remember this, my dad. And what we had to do first is we had to build a, a form for it. We had to put boards in place so that when, they, when the concrete truck came to pour the concrete in, there was something to contain it so that the concrete didn't just run everywhere. It was contained. It was formed so that we could build on it. We could build a garage on it. Now, listen. This is exactly what happens in the believer's life. You need doctrine. Doctrine is those forms so that when the Holy Spirit is poured in, it's contained and that you can build on it. That's why you need the doctrines and that's why you don't need to be afraid of these TV preachers if you know the truth. If you don't know the truth, you'll be gullible and you'll believe whatever they say. And I'm gonna tell you, if you don't know the truth, if you don't know the doctrine, then, uh, folks, it's very dangerous. Has anybody ever heard of, of Jim Jones? There was a documentary. I don't know if anybody saw that documentary on CNN last night. But basically, Jim Jones, he started a church uh, in San Francisco, and it was called the People's Temple. And he began as a, as a teacher and a, and a preacher, and he traveled around doing his healing ministry. And here's what he would do. He actually, as he traveled, he actually had people that he paid to put on a cast, 
uh, to pretend that they were sick, and they, people would come up for healing at these different crusades, and, and one of the workers would cut the cast off, and, and then the Jim Jones would say, now run across, the, the, run through the aisles, and jump up and down, and, and the, the person would jump up and down and be praising God, and everybody now is praising God, and then quickly Jim Jones would pass the offering plate, because nobody gives like people who think they're going to get a miracle. Hello. These people, if they knew their Bible, if they'd attended my doctrines class, they wouldn't have been gullible. They wouldn't have fallen into such nonsense. Jim Jones tells his people, look, I'm starting a brand new town. We're going to call it Jonestown. Jim Jones, Jonestown in Guyana, in South America. And Jim Jones gets all these people down to, to South America and they all follow him. They all believe him. They all listen to him. And before long, folks, Jim Jones is saying, the hour has come. I want you to drink this Kool-Aid. Don't ever drink Kool-Aid unless you know where it comes from. <laughs> and everybody drank that Kool-Aid. And you see, the pictures will be etched in my mind for the rest of my life of literally hundreds and hundreds of people all lying on the ground, lying dead. Mothers holding their dead children. And they said in the, in, the, in the report about Jim Jones that first the children took the Kool-Aid first and then the parents took it. Imagine killing your children off because a preacher tells you you need to do that. Folks, listen, it's, it's, it's the move of Satan. And we see that kind of stuff and it scares us away and we're afraid to open our hearts up to what the Spirit of God wants to do in our lives. Folks, here's what I want you to know today that Satan will always do whatever he can to cause us to be afraid of God. But you never have to be afraid of God because the Spirit of God is gentle. It's not a coincidence that the Spirit of God is portrayed as a dove, gentle. And he comes and he alights on Jesus. And the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Understand this today, folks. The Holy Spirit is 100% trustworthy. And we push aside those greedy, grasping charlatans, those liars, those cheats, and those thieves. What we see is the beauty of the Lord. And we see his desire to touch us to heal us and to help us with whatever it is that we're struggling with. I'm going to ask Chris if you just come to the piano right now. Folks, I know that what God did for Tom when he was just a young boy, 15 years of age, diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. They thought he would, wouldn't make it through the night. They thought he would die pastor comes and prays for him. And the next day when the pastor got the call, he thought he was going to hear that that young boy he prayed for the night before died. But God came in and did a miracle. God spared Tom's life. What God did for Tom, God can do for you today. Whatever your need, whatever your concern, whatever your problem, know that God loves you. Know that God doesn't want you to walk alone. Whatever pain, whatever suffering, whatever 
guilt, whatever shame that you're carrying today, you can be free of it today. You can leave this place free and whole. You need a touch in your body, God can touch you today. I believe that God wants to do a miracle in your life. There's somebody that came here this morning, drifted away from God for a few years. And this was the day that God brought him back to church. And as soon as I gave the call, he came, stood here dead center. And I prayed with him and I said, God had a sermon all prepared for you, didn't he? He started to cry and he hugged me. He said, I know God loves me. God can do that for you today. Would you stand with me, please? And I'm going to just sing that song. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. I'm not going to have a formal dismissal today. But those of you who'd like to have prayer, I'm going to invite you to come here across the front and pray. And I'm going to pray for you. I'll anoint each one with oil. If you want to stay and just pray, observe, just bask in the presence of God, you're welcome to do that. If you must go, quietly slip away after we're done singing that song. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. And if you need prayer this morning, make your way to the front. I'll be there in just a moment. Let's sing it. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in thy strength and your power. Come in your own gentle way. Sing it again. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, sweet Spirit, I pray. Come in thy strength and your power. Come in your own special way. You may be seated. I'm going to ask you to just to sing that again. Those of you who are standing here this morning, understand that God is here and that it's not Alan Duncalf who heals you, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ by his Spirit. Whatever your need, whatever, whether it's spiritual or physical, emotional, a family need, a marriage problem, know this today that God loves you. He's not forgotten about you. Know this today that God wants to meet you and heal you and take away whatever burden it is that you're carrying. Do you believe that this morning? If you do, say amen. 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 So we're going to sing that one more time. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. You're going to lift your hand to the Lord. And you're going to say, God, it's me. I need you. Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. Sing with me again. Ready? Come, Holy Spirit, I need you. 
That's right. Come, sweet spirit, I pray. Come and your power. Come in your own special way. What I'm going to do now is I'm just going to go across the front of the auditorium just praying for people as I feel God leading me. And this morning as, we're, as you're standing here waiting for me to pray, I want you just to keep your eyes closed. I want you just to, to, to thank God for being here today. Thank him for what he wants to do in your life. And tell the Lord that you believe that he's able to heal you. He's able to do that miracle that you need. Confess to him your faith. Confess to him your belief. Tell the Lord, God, I believe. I believe you're able to touch me. I believe you're able to heal me. So do that right now. And then just wait patiently until I get to you. Can I get my elders just to come and join in behind here, please?